1: You'll look good on and off the course while enjoying all the
0: technical benefits that let you play your best. Featuring streetwear-inspired style, the Go To collection rewrites all the rules and encourages you to express your style through every swing. Explore the new Go To collection on adidas.com/golf, fella. Updog Scoopsie, a legend, first overall pick 1995. I used to watch this guy fucking snapping around for the Detroit Junior Red Wings back in the day. Oh, wow. Little Caesars? No, the Junior Red Wings. Junior Red Wings. And then uh, obviously got to know this guy. First time I met him was in Vegas, which we'll get into. But our boy.
1: All-star, Hall of Famer.
0: Fucking legend on and off the ice. Showed me how to do it in New York. Showed me how to do it in Vegas. Showed me how to do it in LA. Cabo. Fucking Bonnaroo. This goes on and on. The Beast, Brian Burrard.
2: What's up, guys? Sorry, I'm not in studio with you. I was looking forward to getting getting out to LA and getting in studio with you, but this will have to do for now.
0: I know. We've been wanting you out here for forever, but you've been busy working, obviously, which we're happy for. But at this time with the Islanders and the Bruins playing, I was like, we got to get fucking broader. Yeah, out what here. better talk time? Talk Let the people play. hear them. Talk a, a little playoff hockey.
2: Absolutely. I actually went to game six too out in the island too. And to be honest with you, I haven't been the Coliseum probably in 10 years. And, uh, that place was just electric. I mean, i brought back some good memories, and, and those Islander fans are unbelievable.
0: Yeah, so just t- like B, just touch on that. Like, when before the games, the way they tailgate and then the energy in there, like, for me, I thought it was a huge difference in that series. I picked the Islanders before the Boston series, and then once I saw that home ice advantage they had there, it's just like, it's it's fun to see, and I'm enjoying these Islanders fans.
2: It was awesome. We actually went a couple a couple hours early, too, and did uh, walking around as tailgate with some of the fans, which was great. It was pretty funny because now you know I've, it's been a long time since I've been retired. But uh, there's a couple of young kids with retro jerseys on, a couple of Burrard jerseys, <laughs> oh, and I actually went up to the I went up to the kids and said, "Hey, great jersey!" and they didn't even know it was me, which is kind of pretty funny. <laughs> 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 no idea. But we uh, going into the game, I mean, the national anthem had chills, and the Islanders oh, yeah. are just that was they're, nice. they're they're just solid. I mean, they you know they roll four lines, and and I watched all the games against Boston. Boston just looked tired, especially Game Six. I, I think they just warmed down.
1: But that, talk about that barn for a second. That that barn for me. I played my first NHL game in there. You, your, that was your
2: first game
0: there.
1: First game ever. I put <laughs> fucking five thousand dollars on the board.
3: Wow. Frosty. That <laughs> Jeez.
1: Was, that, that was because Frosty had the fucking marker, and he's like. You got to make a statement here you're the first you're the first round pick and i'm like fuck okay how much and he's like five grand i'm like fuck usually it's one of the older guys talking into that but it was our boy frosty but uh anyway and then love, frosty, of course, love frosty. my first shift i had adrian a coin absolutely walk me on my blue line and went in and rang <laughs> rang went on the bar off the bar and it went fucking up in the in the upper deck at nassau coliseum um which was yeah. Anyway, Oki could walk the blue line well, back down well, it's, still, it,
2: it's still a shithole. They renovated it, right? They renovated it, but it's still a shithole. But I'll tell you what, the building was. De- those fans are unbelievable. It was definitely electric. I think it definitely helps uh, get those guys going for sure. Um, I mean, I started my career there in 1996. To me, it was a great place to play. To be honest with you, I, I, we had a young team. It was guys like myself, McCabe, Bertuzzi, Ziggy Palfi um even like Eric Brewer, Zdeno Ochara, we had a lot of good guys that, that before Millbury pretty much dismantled the team, but it's a great place to play on Long Island. I mean you're close to Manhattan, you're close to the city, um you know you, the Hamptons, it's it's a great place to play.
1: Beast, I wanted to um uh, I wanted to bring up, could you imagine right now modern day hockey in Nassau Coliseum a defenseman Banging on the glass, yelling at his girlfriend before he goes, before she goes and walks over to, to his wife to fucking rat him out. Can you oh imagine that God. ever? Can you imagine that, that in the new age NHL?
2: That that was one of my. Uh, that's a great story there with with Milbury, and I had Milbury actually <laughs> one of my teammates was kind of a little bit getting a little bit in trouble, and I got a big kick in the back from Mike Milbury saying, "What the hell is your buddy doing?" And uh, we won't name any names, but that's one of the better stories because, and the Nassau Coliseum there's maybe six at that time. There was maybe six to eight thousand fans there. Uh, it wasn't a big game at the time, but uh, it, it's a pretty funny story. But again, we can't name any names.
1: No, no, we're not here to
0: we're not here to throw anyone under the bus. So how 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 good was the tailgating before that game six? Because I saw some stuff on social media. It looked like it was fucking slammed.
2: It was it was hot as hell too, but everyone was everyone was, <laughs> everyone was drinking. It was fun. Everyone had the jerseys on. It was I'm telling you, it, it was a great spot. I'm glad we went early. Actually, it took us. I'm up in Mount Kisco, New York, but still, I forgot about the Long Island traffic. It still took us two hours actually to get out there to Nassau Coliseum. But once we get out there, um, I think we're chugging white claws on the way out there too. But so had to piss a couple times but, but on the way out there. Uh, it's just a great great spot.
1: Yeah, I think it would be great. I, I, I personally. I'm pulling for a New York Islander Vegas final. Wow. I think it would be, Same. I think it would be just epic for for hockey and for fans and just Islander fans and you know Captain Cons and fucking all the people that get chirped all the time for for them not getting there again. Yeah. You know, yes, they had their heyday in the '70s, but fuck, it's like it would be just great for hockey. New York fucking alive again, fucking you know
2: just you know you know what I'd like to give a little shout out to to right is the new Islanders owners. They've doing such an amazing job with that team. With the, with the alumni, I mean, they, you know, they gave us tickets. They gave us great seats. Um, they're just doing a great job. And they get that new building that's going to open up near, near Belmont, the, the horse track, which is fantastic. Um, so, you know, it's, it's good to be an Islanders fan right now, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, B, you bring up the alumni. And just, just touch on that real quick because I know, like, guys, like even, like, Kanopka and some other guys, that Trevor Gillies that didn't play a whole long time for the Islanders, but they take care of you guys really well, right? They bring you in and, like, you know, do charity stuff for you guys and, and really make you feel part of the squad.
2: The, the new ownership has, I mean, it's, 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 I guess, what I guess, you know, Millbury and the, the old ownership with Wang kind of kind of pissed off and scared a lot of the alumni away. And you got guys like Clark Gillies, Nightstrom. I mean, these guys, you want to be around. They're, they're, they were great players. They're great guys. Um, so it's good to see the alumni back. And, and everyone's at the rink. It was me. We, I bumped into Steve Webb, uh, Sean oh, Bates. Yeah, uh, Webby, oh, Sean Bates, Batesy, Kaka. Um, <laughs> McCabe was there, so it was just a bunch of uh, just ran into a bunch of guys, and it was a lot of fun. How's Cabra doing? Doing good. He's up. He, he actually lives in Long Island too now for the summers. He's got a house up there with his wife and kids, so he's doing pretty good.
1: I love that guy, man. Cabra, huh? yeah, he's he, a fucking legend. And and he talks about you and you and him were roommates, right? Your first we were, yeah, of years we pro.
2: we lived. Uh, We lived uh, almost three years together, and then be honest with you, when he got traded, it was tough because they traded him and Bertuzzi, and and we we were really close. Um, Mm -hmm. So when he got traded, it was it was kind of kind of woke me up a little bit, and how you know basically it's it's a profession as well. Because I was definitely bummed out when they traded him.
3: How was it playing with a guy like Todd Bertuzzi? He was one of those guys when I first got in the league that was fucking intimidating as shit to play against. I remember I took a high stick, lost two teeth. <laughs> <face off>. so, <laughs> from Riley Sheehan, and then the next face-off, Bertuzzi thought I was fucking faking it for a four-minute penalty. Elbow right to my t- teeth. I got another six stitches in my lip. I was like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this guy? Bert,
2: Bert, Bertuzzi was a monster. He was a man-child, too. I actually played junior against uh, Bert when Guelph, too. We actually beat them in the uh, OHL finals. It was him and Jeff O'Neill, but Bertuzzi was a big, strong, big, strong, you know, player. Um, power forward. Um, he was a good guy, too. Bert was great. He was He aux. had
0: fucking just, like, old man strength when I played him. Like, oh, when he was in Detroit. Fuck. I it, got in two fights with him. He grabbed me. I was like, uh-oh, this is not, good. This
2: is not exactly, good. Exactly. And Bert didn't get, when he got pissed off, he didn't get pissed off too much. But when he got pissed off, he could throw some guys around pretty easily. Yeah.
0: That's exactly what happened, B. I, he was in Detroit, I was in Nashville. They had nobody in Detroit those years, right? So I was just acting like an absolute hero. And then finally, near the end of the season, he was just like, he would seen enough. And he grabbed me, and I remember he had me, and he was throwing these haymakers, B, and I was like, if like, I couldn't even move my head, because I was like, if this hits me, it's, it's
2: nighty night. Yeah, he's strong. <laughs> strong play, he had, had a great career.
1: Beast, you're, you're, you're around hockey a lot right now. You're working with, with some young kids up in, in New York there. Uh, the style of, of game and the pace of play and the playoff, like, you know, just watching hockey now in general. Describe it's, kind of, describe, yeah, like the feeling you have when you watch it. Like we, we sit around loops and I and obes and we watch the game and the penalties that get called and, and the speed of it, thinking, like, fuck, how, do we, how would we even keep up in this game? What, what do you see from your eyes? You were an incredible skating defenseman, um, you know, good puck mover. Uh, what, what do you see now in, in the in new
2: NHL? Well, first, I wish I was born about 10 or 15 years, a little later than I was.
3: I'd
2: love to be playing right now, but the kids are so talented. I mean, that you know, the fourth liners, when, when I was back in the game, I mean, it was mostly heavyweights and tough guys that really weren't the best skaters. Um, So now everybody can skate and the agility, the talent. I mean, even the kids I'm working with now, the two 18 year old twins, I mean, their skills, their hands, um, you know, and they're on the ice a lot, too. But they're always working. And and I think it makes a big difference. I mean, we just kind of trained in the summer a little bit. And, uh, you know, I, I just think the skill level is so high right now.
0: We just trained a little bit and got our dancing legs going in the summer, <laughs> didn't we, be <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: it. Worked on my tan at the Hard Rock pool. We,
0: we were more worried about how are going to get through those four days at Bonnaroo. Can we get through those fucking days? Fuck with Oves. <laughs> Oves is
1: a dancer, isn't he? Not He's... anymore. I'm
0: not. Not anymore. <laughs> no.
1: No. <I'm> not, <laughs> I didn't see.
0: I didn't see many moves in Vegas. No, I was. I was.
1: I sit was, back and take it all in. There. Yeah, I was you sit deserve back. that. Yeah. There was a lot of moving on those legs when you were
0: fucking going. I still like to move. Now, you were moving well. I, you was. would have been proud, B. You would have been proud.
2: Um, speaking of how, Vegas. I, I was, was going to say that. How was Vegas, boys? I haven't been huh. to Vegas. I bet you it's been five years. I kind of quit gambling, so it's t- kind of tough for me to go out there. But uh, I miss that place, and it looks like it's, uh, doing, it looks like it's, it's on fire right now. Business is
3: sure. booming in Vegas, I'll tell you that. Well, <laughs>
2: B, every time, every time I go to Vegas, B, it mm-hmm. reminds me of the first
0: time I met you at the old Brockheimer Hockey Tournament. And we were, you know, our boy Tom Riley hooked us up with some suites, but we were in scramble mode. It just made me realize when I first came to Vegas with you, you had a fucking suite at the Hard Rock. And then you had this stripper pole suite at the Palms, too. And we were just going back and forth from suite to suite. And I was like, this guy's a legend. And I was like, I got to stay in this league as long
2: as I can. Hey, I think we had a few little uh, French girls with us, too, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you,
0: you got everything teed up for us. Bud. Those twins from
2: Montreal? No, Not that time, not that time, the twins <laughs> yeah, <at all>. exactly. <laughs> excuse me. Yeah, I mean, Vegas was. I, I kind of learned from a, a a buddy of mine that, um, Boston guy, and uh, he was a big time gambler, and uh, so I kind of got involved with him early on in my career and, and started going to the Hard Rock, and the Hard Rock used to, you know fly us out in Boston. They used to fly G2, pick us up, be a few guys, myself, Joe Thornton, Nick Boynton, a few guys. I think Rick Tockett's been on the, the plane before. Uh, so we used to go out there and just kind of rip it up for a weekend. Usually it could last maybe two, three, four days and that time to go home. But, you know, we, we gambled, <laughs> hit uh, experiment, crazy horse. It was, oh. it was good times out there. That's for sure.
1: <laughs> the Rhino
2: is back. The hey, rhino is back. I I, I love I still had, yeah the rhino used to just walk right in the back door, that's for
0: sure. <laughs> hey bro, A B, I was just joking when we landed in Vegas. I was like thinking about back. Imagine back in the day playing and having to go into Vegas to play on the road. Like, could you imagine the feeling you would have landing there?
2: It's that how is that building? That's what I want to ask you guys. That building just uh, looks electric to play. Buddy, it looks awesome.
3: It's gotta be the best in the NHL. It's like it's like, be, it's like right. a nightclub
1: it's like the uh nowhere it's like um what's the fucking tent that we used to go to at bonnaroo oh where
3: do you, where,
1: it's where, like the, the other tent? tent it's like walking <laughs> into the other tent at three <laughs> in the morning at bonnaroo
2: where do the teams do you guys know where the, te- the team stay when they go there do you guys know where the team stay yeah
1: when i was there we stayed at the mandarin hotel which was right by aria just actually across the street you just had to jump uh like in the overpass to it um but it was a, it's it's a non-casino hotel uh basically just obviously for more reasons than, than one, but um yeah it's a good hotel too. You never know there's a Mandarin hotel in Vegas because you're just fucking yeah. hitting the ones that are have the have the that. stripper pole suites so. <laughs> in <laughs> Exactly.
3: Broadway? Oh yeah, no, uh B you just touched on Joe Thornton a little bit there. So I just wanted to know, what was it like playing in Boston? That's probably the closest to your hometown, being from Rhode Island, and having a guy like Joe Thornton on your team. I mean, he I think he had 101 points that year. I just hear stories about this guy, and I just wanted to get the firsthand experience.
2: Jumbo, Big Joe, was, was awesome. And I was lucky enough I got to play against him as well. I uh, he, he was an underage in Sault Ste. Marie, so I kind of was, was, you know, me and Joe were familiar with each other. Boston, for me, was awesome because my parents basically season tickets. My dad can go to every single game from a big family as well. So I grew up about 45 minutes uh, south of Boston and it was great. I mean, unfortunately for me, it kind of sucked because I had a decent year um i put up almost 40 points um and i actually thought i w- would resign in boston and uh the good old ruins they did one of those arbitration they lost on purpose and they didn't want to pay <laughs> pay me the money that uh, <laughs> i was, was worse so I chicago ended up signing me and i went to the blackhawks for me i've been lucky enough i played in some great cities obviously boston chicago the, the only really shit all i played in was columbus but that was a great you know that was a great organization um, me too,
1: so, Beast. Only
2: yeah, yeah, I exactly i mean especially for a single guy i was 31 32 it, wasn't much, much chasing around there. That's <laughs> nothing.
1: <laughs>
0: <There's> nothing. <laughs> no. Not even at Ohio State. No, it might been, It might it as
1: down? well have been COVID going on when you were there.
2: <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, dude, Boston. My, my dad was. I mean, my dad got to go to every single game. So yeah. that you know, Boston's. A it's, a. it's a good memory for me. That's for sure.
1: Should we talk Bonnaroo? Fuck talk- you, I mean, be, We should go back to Bonnaroo. You because uh, September fourth, fifth, I've my never been. Jacket, uh, Tame and Paula, couple good DJs. Fuck, I mean, some of the best times I've ever had were cruising around the farm farm with you boys, and I'll always remember Beast. You know, you'd bring Liz there. His the only guy, I'd bring a girl, and yeah, that bus. Like that slide and that beam. bus. If that bus was a rockin don't come and <laughs> it. Because
2: <laughs> yeah, boy, they're they're that right <laughs> One time I had it going pretty good, and then remember I, I woke up with uh, Biz Nasty was in between me the one time too. I was like, well, "How the hell did that end up?" I think he had his he had his uh, Superman Speedos on too. If I remember that. <laughs> he, <laughs> he had uh,
1: he'd be the first to tell you, and he has he, but he had a bad mushroom trip oh, the first night he there. Too much <laughs> much. Yeah, he, he, Absolutely. he tripped out and had to snuggle up with you guys in the back well, bunk. There, but well, we should we
2: should definitely do a Bonnaroo re- reunion. That'd be great.
0: Hey, B, do you think we could do four nights like we used to though? Do You think we could do four? Or I don't know if I got four. me, fell, I could give you maybe one or two.
2: Ah, uh, we just have to bring maybe just have to bring in some nurses with the IV bags. To get <laughs> yes. That's what we need. <laughs> I agree with that.
1: Yeah, the best the best part about that for me, boys, was was the arrival. Like wa- like coming, getting picked up at the airport, shuttling in, going to get our fucking passes. We had the babes there. We're like already scheduling what kind of show we're gonna get. Like you know who's gonna you know roll up the Chiba? <laughs> Fuck it. it, definitely wasn't loophole. And then who's you know. Get the beers on ice. Get a Bud Light. Go see a show, and then like it. Just knowing you have three or four days with your boys for you know, it was
2: great. I was just along. I was along for the ride. I knew you guys do music. I was. I was a big music fan, but not as big as you guys. So I was just long for a ride and just follow you guys around. It was, it, was, it was awesome.
0: Every music festival I went to with Brad was like, I would just follow his whatever drink he was going to drink. So day one, I'd be like, Brad, what are you drinking? And then Dave, like, so because he always like knew by the third day, I'm like, what are you drinking now? He's like, I got a little uh, vodka with a little bit of this. And I'm like, well, that sounds refreshing.
2: Because by You got to mix, mix it up. Gotta mix by it up. that
0: third day, Brad, and you're like, what am I going to drink today? And you always had the answer for me. So I appreciate that.
2: I, yeah, I'm, not a, a, bear, I'm not, not a bear guy either, so I, got, I I stay with the hard stuff. Yeah, me too. Think
0: <laughs> of
1: five, like five guys just wandering around that place, getting just absolutely annihilated, <laughs> trying to find your way back to like the golf cart or like behind oh. the stage. Where's the stage? It's amazing that we just got through it all. Well, thank every...
0: God for the golf carts. If there's no golf carts, I probably wouldn't have got through it. Like, I would have hung a left when I shouldn't have maybe or something. <laughs> well, yeah, these, oh, it's, you know it's what?
2: It's hot as hell too, and it's humid as well. So you sweat it out a lot. You sweat out a lot of the poison out too. So that's why I think the can last four days.
1: <laughs> Bish, you, you talk about you, you. said like you didn't know much about tunes or whatever, and that you know you just come with us. But it's almost like everything you did for us, we would just be like, Bish, you got uh, Bonnaroo not the same without you. You got to get here. We'll teach you all the bands. You know, you it's it's not the same without you. And I and I say that because I had you in training camp in Philadelphia. Me and Loops. And you should have made our team that year. It was a fucking joke. But, you know, I remember that following year right before you went to Russia. You, me, and Loops, and a bunch of babes, we fly to Cabo for all-star break. And you taught me just everything you need to know about how to do a a proper NHL all-star break for the single guys. You got to fly in the girls. You got to make sure the house is dialed. It's got to be on a golf club. Uh, here's the, here, here, you know, here's the golf, here's <laughs> the golf, golf club. We're going to go down to nowhere bar and start our night off there. And then we're going to go to Mandela, Mandela, Mandela. Um, but I, she was able to share that with the rest of my young single friends for the rest of my career because you fucking started me down the path. So that's, that's my thank you
2: to you. Oh, you're, you're welcome. We co- 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 a great time. <laughs> We've had a great time in all, all All of us golf golf and uh, dance parties on the greens at diamante Uh, (laughs) oh yeah
1: so this is this is a good story but we're just dance parties on the greens. we're we're rolling our titties off and uh (laughs) we we get to this green out at diamante and it's on the top of the hole it was hole 11 right par 3 yes and we're out there we got flashlights we got, uh, we're, you know, we got our girls with us, me, Beast, and Loops, and we're just doing our thing. And, and next thing you know, like five, like five golf carts show up, like all the lights and the flashlights, and we're like, oh shit! It's not that I thought there was any security at Diamante at the time because it was such a new development, but all these guys come out, and we're like, fuck! Oh, hey, Senor, you know, we're, we're, we'll keep it down and. No, they weren't there to fucking tell us to turn down the music or whatever. They brought us coolers of beer and shots and everything. <laughs> and it's like we're under the we're under the stars just fucked up. And, Senior Berard. Senior Berard, they used to call him yeah. <laughs> yeah. Senior Berard, Senior Berard. Um, yeah, oh, Beast, up. so, yeah, sh- fuck, you are the man. You are the man. <laughs> Thanks, Beast, I, I just a- wanted
3: to ask you, Go. you went overseas that one year playing in Russia. Is it as crazy as people make it out to be? And if you can share at least one story with us, cause I've just heard this fucking place. There's no rules over there.
2: Yeah. And I was in BT uh, BT's too. And I think that owner now, I believe he might even be in jail. It was Nikolai, but it was pretty <laughs> wild. I, I'll, I'll give you a quick story. It's actually right when I, I signed, it was there. He started probably 15 or 20 games. So I went on, only went over there for half a year, um, but I get to the hotel the first night and I'm with my agent. Um, and I meet Nikolai, who's the owner of the team and the owner of the hotel. And, um, He's a big drinker, so I start. We sit down, we have dinner. I start drinking with him. Now it's like two thirty, three in the morning, and I'm pretty drunk and, and just exhausted. We just flew in. I'm with my agent and stuff, and, and first night in the hotel, I, I go, I gotta get out of here. He doesn't speak any English. The owner, so I said, I basically <laughs> yeah. called, call the us, please, uh, please, um, you know, tell him I'm just exhausted. So, the first night I'm in, in the hotel bed and, and I'm passed out finally, and I just hear this monster knock on my door. I'm like, come on, you got to be shitting me. First night, who the fuck's at my door? Right. So, I, I take, I look, at, and it's my agent. He's like, open the door. I'm like, no. I said, Paul, I'm going to sleep. I'm exhausted. So, he goes, no, you have a couple present, you have a present for you. And uh, so I opened it up in two dime pieces, and Nick, Nikolai says, "The owner says, welcome to Russia.'" So. Oh. <laughs> so I said, "You're like, what a I league!
0: Did. What a league!
2: I ain't fucking leaving!" So, so I found some. So I found some. So I found some energy.
0: I oh, around.
2: I fuck yeah! Hey, that got your legs feeling better, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
0: hey, B, we appreciate you coming on, fellas Hey, we had a guy on our DraftKings. Uh, he won the world. DraftKings Hockey Championship, and he was a Rhode Island guy, yep. and we started talking about Newport, Rhode Island, and i got to bring up Matty Fernandez. Anyways, I want to come out and see you guys. You're going to be in Rhode Island at all because you and Maddie have been telling me for years that this place in the summertime is a good spot.
2: Yeah, we're going to be there. I, I looks, I'm i going to try to rent something for the month of August because I pretty much have, I'm up training the kids Monday through Friday, and then I have the weekends off, so I think I'm going to rent something the there this summer. Probably maybe a couple weeks in July, and then the whole month of August once I get back to seeing you guys. I'm probably going to head out to Newport Beach to see you fellas uh, for the 4th of July. And then I'll uh, be in Newport. So you guys got to come out. Newport is awesome. It is banging right now. It's, you know, it's the restaurants are great and people, you know, people want to get out, you know, obviously with the, with what the year has been, it's been tough. So people are out and and, uh, having some fun.
0: How's Maddie doing? He was just texting me. He's such a beauty, but he was texting me about the Phil Mickelson a month ago that he took Phil for,
2: I mean, what a beauty. He's he's as degenerate as you get. <laughs> and uh, but he's he's a dad, we dude. Love he's dad, he's dad. Yeah, of, he's he he's a little Maddie Junior now. He's yep. dad of the year, so he's uh, he's behaving. Yeah,
0: RB, thanks. you're you're the man, buddy. We'll get you in studio when you come out here. We just wanted to get you on Talk Islanders. We know you're busy with the, the hockey stuff, but buddy, we love you. We appreciate you coming on. We'll have you back out here when you're in Cali, my man.
2: Absolutely, miss you guys. Love you. Talk to you All soon. Right, you B, thanks thanks to See you, brother. brother.
0: up dog oh man as soon as we brought him in on the zoom style that smile the hair everything it just made me realize how much we miss our next guest it's the big boy 676 matches played her the right way andy sutton big sutsy thank you for joining missing curfew buddy and fuck me and the updog we missed that smile buddy
4: yeah what a treat man it's so good to see you guys and glad, glad things are going well for you there it's been fun to watch Obi, how so fun, real
1: hey, Obi, how fun was it just showing yeah. up to the Newport Beach Country Club and he'd be sitting there with with a drink in hand, ready to rock and roll oh. off the first tee with us.
0: Oh, but he 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 was the best. He gave uh, he'd be like, "Hey boys, hey Obis, he goes, oh look at Loopy, look at Loopy's chest, look how much chest." Is there. <laughs> 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 no,
4: I was never sure. I was never short sure on compliments. I always like complimenting people. I don't know why.
0: <laughs> oh, because you're just a good dude. And um, so listen, hey, we're we're, we're happy you're here. Now, you're living in Nashville, correct, right? I asked Pure Silk Mike Close like a year ago or whatever. I'm like, "We're Suchy? Let's get him up from San Diego. He's like, well, that'd be tough because he's in Nashville. So um, how are you liking Nashville? How long have you been there? I'm loving it.
4: I've been here just over a year um we were living in fallbrook california before we left and we kind of got into this homestead lifestyle so we started like growing a lot of our own food and raising chickens my wife got like alpacas and goats and shit so we got a really fun setup and then my little i got a little man he's five and uh, almost five and he he loves it it's been great so we basically put the that back together here and cut our costs by 50 you know tax bases by you know about the same so pretty, pretty incredible move and then this place is just awesome i mean Chasing kind of what's left of the American dream. I'm a Canadian guy that probably this country's given me everything. So I want to live in a place that's fun, more fundamentally American.
3: God bless you, brother.
0: How, how's the how's the heat in the summer? The heat's good for the golf swing, though. It doesn't take you long to get loosened up with that humidity, does it? But it's big sucks.
4: buddy. I'll tell you this: the the, the bot is a is a battle zone. <laughs> After all those years, I'm telling you, it's rough. So yeah, the heat <laughs> the heat feels nice uh, out of the gates. So, like if I had to sprint to save my kid, like from getting hit by a truck, I'd probably just <laughs> sit there because I wouldn't make it. <laughs> it's like blood hurts but um all in all man it's 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 pretty good i'm still playing a good brand of golf the the shorter backswing actually helps a little bit when you lose a little bit of range of motion keep,
0: keep uh, fairways fairways and greens eh? just that's hit it. the fairways and greens that's it Hey, big such I got your hockey DB up here. It's a nice pick. You, you don't look like you've aged a day, by the way. So your skin your skincare product, whatever you're doing, routines working for you. <laughs> same Hey, take me back to the St. Michael Buzzers days. Listen, that drink helped me get drafted because I didn't have to skate. I'm just picturing your big six foot six frame in there. You must have loved just playing there?
4: I mean, I did. It was, it was an honor and it was like a battle zone to get there. You know, I never, I never made my midget team. So I went and played in an obscure small town in Ontario, uh, played, played junior B there with, you know, guys with jobs and mustaches and baby mama drama and the whole deal. Um, and then really went from there and I had a chance to play in a summer tournament series. And the first game, uh, this guy, he was a draft pick, uh, I think he was a draft pick to the NHL at that point. He, He wanted to fight me and I just, Beat the living piss out of them. And the, the best part was all the other teams were there watching, it was the first game. So nobody came within five feet of me for the rest of the tournament. And there happened to be a, the coach there from St. Mike's was in the stands. It's like funny how things happen in our lives, right? And you're just in the right spot at the right time. And he uh, invited me to come and play there. So it was a crazy deal, like going in I, and you know, I, the Lindros had come through there before. Like I was like, wow, this is unbelievable. And at the time it was probably the, one of the preeminent places in the whole country to go if you wanted to get a scholarship. I never thought I'd play pro hockey. You know, I wanted to get an education, go have a good time, see what was going to happen. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a really pivotal moment in my life and, and I made, it made, I definitely felt special coming through there.
0: Big Sutsi, did you go to school at St. Mike's too? Like, Did you have to go to the actual school when you played? Buddy, there? I did.
4: So I, I never came up Catholic, <laughs> right? I never came up Catholic. And I remember the first time they went to confession. I'm like, fuck it I'm going I'm gonna see what this is all about right I don't know what to say I walk down the thing I go in like the the dude's in there and he's kind of looking at me and I I didn't know you're supposed to say forgive me father if I have sinned right so I'm just sitting there waiting for this guy to say something to me oh my goodness gracious you're like hey you're like who's gonna break first here but I'll stare you down all day so so I I ended up he ended up yeah we worked it out I had a couple things to say to him worked it out it went out of there but it was really strange all the classes you know I take a religion class and and then, uh, like the nuns were teachers. I mean, they'd wrap you, they'd still wrap you on the knuckles, like if you weren't listening and stuff like that. You wear a full uh, blazer, the whole deal, all day long. Um, yeah, so, all was,
0: boys, too, right? They, all boys back yeah, then. Yeah, all right? boys. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's fucked. It was Jeez. dicey back then. Yeah. yeah it, was, it was legit. It was, I lived with a nice
4: family, though, in, in Toronto. And um, and then they had the captain of our team live with me, too. So, it, ended, it was really like, it was a really cool time. It was like the first time I was really away from my folks and in, a, in a, like one of the best cities in the world and playing for a really cool team. So, it was, it was really fun.
1: It's so nice to have you on here. That smile, that hair, that golf swing. Um, take me to yeah, Michigan, eh? take me to Michigan nice. Tech, your college years. Um, you know, we'll talk about you not being drafted, but Michigan Tech was a big school for recruiting from Fort McMurray where I was from. I played junior with a couple older guys. You said... You know, you jump into a junior hockey room and you're playing with these guys with mustaches and, and big, you know, big hammers and just guys that could really shoot the puck because they're way <laughs> older than you. But I was the same way. I played with all these 20 year old guys. They were all going off to college. I'm 16. I'm recruiting all the high school girls to the parties and stuff. But, you know, <laughs> what was about Michigan Tech that kind of, you know, prepared you for the next step in your professional career? Like, what the hell was going on there? You guys must have had a, uh, a couple of good college bars on campus or something because all the boys from Fort Mac
2: loved it
4: yeah it's great we had we had a few of those guys I just I just remembered I played with uh with devin Hartnell Scott's brother right they're fort Mac boys. and it was it was awesome We had a great crew of people there I needed it like I needed to go somewhere like that, where I could get on big ice. Like we played on the big sheets, like hundred by 200 or whatever. And, and then, you know, everybody had a lot of skills. So for me to get out there being a bigger guy and I think, you know, have to work on that craft to learn to skate better, quite frankly, you know, um, that, that was a big part of it Get stronger. But I mean, I had, I had nothing going, honestly, like I really had nothing going the first three years, really, honestly, it wasn't really looking like I was going to do anything in my career. Um, I had an opportunity summer before my senior season to go take an internship with the u.s navy in dc and i i turned it down i was like i'll give it one more kick at the canyon we'll see what happens right so i i trained hard like i always trained hard and i don't feel like that was the thing that like made you have a great year or not i think it was like more mental and whatever happened <laughs> in the year, that last year i mean it just Everything I touched worked and I, I won defensive player of the year and, and went from being an undrafted, you know, six foot six, 240 pound defenseman to having 14 NHL teams offer me. They offer me the cap the day after I had six dollars in my fucking bank account. Like it was awesome. it was crazy. It was just a crazy journey. And um, I worked my ass off when I was there. I really did. Uppy. I, I, I lifted harder than anybody else. I worked really hard and i did you know did extra like power skating figure skating literally anything to try to get better and i needed the time and then i really had uh especially in the end uh, timmy waters uh old nhl player came in and was our coach and he uh he took me under his wing honestly he was a def- Defenseman, He mucked it out. He was that kind of player. And he was, he was really pivotal in my, in my career. You know, he gave me the keys to the city, my final year. And that's really the thing, you know, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Do you need the ice time or somebody believing in you to have success? Or do you start showing success and then get more ice time in that instance? And same thing happened to me with Bob Hartley. Honestly, like for me, it was like the belief, the ice time. No, but honestly, I, you know, if you get the ice time and your coach puts you back out, if you make mistakes and if you're a good player, you're going to, you're the, I, I believe the player is always going to work his ass off to fix a mistake that he makes. So I don't think you need to come down harder on a player in that point. I think most players that make it to a high level are already beating the shit out of themselves. Right. So I don't think that needs to be called out. So I have had a few. I've had a few of those circumstances where I think I got I got ice time and responsibility and then was able to kind of relax and respond, you know, so that was definitely the case my last year at Tech.
0: I want to get into it. I want to get into the Bob before I turn over. We're going to get into the Bob in a little bit there. Big sense. Yeah. 97, 98 at Michigan Tech. must've been working on the backhand sauce a little bit too, because you had 40 points in 38 matches there. Yeah, bro. it was a good, it was a good year.
4: You know, I I definitely, you know, I always put sauce on everything. I literally do. The guys, got, the guys bust my chops now in uh, in the pickup skate. They're like, what's the deal with these? I'm like, guys, I put sauce on everything. It's, <laughs> can't help it. <laughs> we got, we got, big, we got something. big Gilsey out there too. The two big condors cruising around the ice.
0: Wow, that's a, lot of, that's a lot of stick on puck with you two. Big we, were, we were playing
4: the boys rough this morning, too. I don't know what got into us. We were both <laughs> kind of cracking the boys a little bit. It was fun. Yeah.
0: Hey, listen, we got a charity game coming up for our boy, Chris Shop, and there's a few guys on my list. This guy right across from me, that's going to get a little bit of lumber. So yeah, a little for bit sure. Of
4: I don't mind. I don't yeah. mind laying it. Even now, I still kind of I stepped up on a guy today, and I was like, God, that, those are the days when I could just like kill you, and you'd go out on a stretcher. Yeah. I miss that so much. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
1: ha- uh, Satsi, real quick, I, I was looking over your hockey DB as well. Six hundred seventy-six games. I know you touched on it. Undrafted. I mean, I would have never thought you were undrafted. There's a lot of kids out there that 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 listen to the program. You know, good players that kind of maybe trying to find their way. Uh, what, what do you What do you say to those kids? Uh, again, six hundred seventy-six games undrafted. That's impressive, man.
4: Well, you know and, it, and thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, it, the worst part is it's over it's over 15 years. You know, I I missed more games due to injury. You know, Oppie might be the only one that's close to me, but I, you know, dealt a lot of those <laughs> but uh,
0: yeah, you can throw you can throw loops in there too. Yeah. yeah.
4: I don't I don't know what to say to you, flowers. It's like um it was it was always uh I felt like I was every day I went in I felt like I had to renew myself, like I had to uh you know, prove myself. And I, and, I, and I think I always lived that way, you know, so I, I never I never once felt comfortable the entire time I was there, if I'm honest with you. So what, the answer to your question, I think, for any athlete or anybody trying to succeed in life is to get comfortable with discomfort. And that's the whole thing. Like you have to you have to be learn to relax and see through it. And then beyond that, it's just like it's faith. And then I tell every young person the same thing, like the working out and being in shape, like that's a prerequisite. You don't even talk about that. It should never even be spoken of. What are you doing with your mind? How are you preparing yourself? How are you reacting to all these things uh, when you face adversity? And there's so much adversity, you know, I had 14 surgeries in 16 years, you know, played for seven different teams, different different roles and positions. You know, you're fighting, you're blocking shots, you're breaking your face for, for to win a fucking hockey game. Like it's, it's, a, it's a gnarly place to live. And if you want to make it there, you better you better have uh, you better have figured some of that stuff out, or you're not going to make it, and you're not going to last. So you've got yeah, that, it. that, It's special. That, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, that and, really is awesome. And and Satsi, it teased me up to early in your career. Our, our boy Prince, he put on a, a great clip of on our missing curfew account of you and uh, Reed Simpson. You're just going fucking toe to toe with them. Uppers over. Uppers <sighs> over. Listen, you're you're a fun loving guy. You played the game the right way. You, you you're one of the best open eye sitters I've ever played against. But talk to me about coming in the league at six foot six, two forty-five. And listen, the league was way tougher than when I came in when you came in. How did you deal with that on a day in, day out, you know, pregame naps, whatever? Because I know personally it can weigh on you.
5: Yeah.
4: And I and I was wrecked, and I'll tell you a story, you guys. I don't know if I ever even shared this with you guys before when we play golf, but like when I when I came in, the same thing happened in my first rookie camp uh, with the Sharks. A guy a guy tried to jab me on our way. Both of us were changing and he wanted to fight at center ice. And I don't even remember his name, but I I I beat the shit out of him, like literally beat the shit out of him. I didn't think much of it, finish the game, whatever. I come down after the game, and around the corner comes John Ferguson, like legendary John Ferguson, arguably like one of the toughest guys to ever played a game. And he's fucking froth, he's frothing at the mouth. He's like, that's what we fucking need around here, like this. Like he's just <laughs> losing it. So it went from that. It went from that. You know, I had a, a couple of good pre- uh, preseason scraps. And then the, the thing that happened that like was the hardest for me, Brant Myers, my longtime buddy, Brant. Went back into the substance abuse program when we lost our heavyweight, and they're like, "Oh, perfect! We'll keep this kid who came from college, and he can fight Scott Parker four times a year because that's a that's exactly what I needed to do, you know." So it was it was that early on, you know, that that was uh typecast me a little bit, you know, early on in my career, and I couldn't relax. So it's like I I honestly couldn't relax, you know. If you if you know you're going into L.A. and you got to fight Maddie Johnson, like you're not you're not sleeping. <laughs> there, no, There's no, speed, hey, you know? I
0: got a good, I got a good Scotty Parker one for you. So, I'm leading the league in tilts in Anaheim my rookie year, and we go in the shark tank, huh? And he comes over with the goatee right beside me. He's like, So, you think you're tough, eh, kid? And I'm like, Man, listen, I'm just trying to stay in the fucking league, buddy, right? I'll play hard out here. I'm not gonna do anything stupid, but I'm not fighting you. Like, I, like I'm just trying to make it to the, they don't send me down. So, I know exactly what you're saying. Like, that guy was the scariest man well, yeah. I've ever maybe lined up beside.
4: Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, you remember, how, you remember how, he, how, he start, how he started to? He had his arms like way out like this. He was yeah. terrifying. He was like, and he was so, and he just had that face and that goatee goes down. You're just like, oh my God, I'm so scared. That's like, you.
0: that's like you know, Dave Schultz, same thing. He, he said his whole career, he was never a fighter. It wasn't until the NHL where he said, he started yeah. actually chucking him. He's like, fuck, I got something here. Yeah. So, I mean, for, for Sunse coming out of college, I was lucky because I played major, junior in yeah. NHL, yeah. so NHL, so I knew coming out how to do it. But college guys, they don't, yeah, you man. don't really know going out of it. Totally. But. So tough wanna, is tough. I want to ask you, buddy, like I never played with you, but I feel like this is a safe, that you, you, you know, you were a fun loving veteran guy. What, what veteran guy, you know, through San Jose mini wherever Atlanta that on the back end, that kind of helped you find yeah. your way, like I'm, I'm asking on a personal level, just yeah. find your way and, and helped you out.
4: Yeah. That's an awesome, that's an awesome question. And, and when I went into San Jose, it was a stacked team. I mean, you got, you got Owen Nolan, Vinny Donfus was there, you know, Mike Ricci, um, know it it goes on and on. I mean we had Gary Suter there. I mean it was it was an all-star cast. Um and honestly the the guys really took care of me. Owen Owen really took me under his wing. He really did. Like he cared for me a lot. Um, You know I I remember Dave Lowry. Dave Lowry was unbelievable. Ronnie Sutter I mean just like the just the best guys you know and then I had I had Bobby Rouse was my was my first NHL roommate. Just a legend, right? And, <laughs> yeah. and uh, I remember yeah, him Rose. story. This this blew me away, right? So he I remember asking him because I was so enamored, right? I didn't even then I didn't think, oh, I could make it 10 years. And I said, well, you know what is what what'd you what'd you feel like? Like where are you at in your career? He said, honestly, when I told myself early on, if I made it 10 years, it'd be a hell of a career. And he's like, I'm going into year year 13 or whatever. And he's like, Everything's gravy for me right now. Yeah. And I remember thinking, Oh my God, 10 years in the NHL, 13 years in the NHL. Like it was just like, and he he, he was a great roommate but back then like they were allowed to just just absolutely fuck with guys i mean I, th- i'd get my shoes nailed to the floor like co- toes cut off my dress shoes on the road have all my pockets stitched shut they filled my car with pop- popcorn peanuts like there was always something going on um and i think it was fun like i think you know we brad stewart and i were both rookies that year and, and they definitely had they definitely had their fun with us <laughs>
0: that's great yeah big su- big sudsy. I remember the one thing about you, this is before I met you, buddy in the playoffs, you're playing. I, I'm teeing you up to dealing with the media and, and playing in Canada. Like you, you fucking absolutely crushed Jordan Leopold. Like you just about fucking kill him. You just about kill him. And then I remember the, the walk me through how that went down with the media guy where your response was like, Oh yeah. What do you, you, what are your, uh, your, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So talk of just dealing with playing Ottawa and dealing yeah. with that media day in and day out.
4: Well, that was a, that was 2010, 11 or nine ten And, uh, I, you know, it was a good. I personally had a good year that year. I I probably KO'd like ten guys in neutral zone. It was like a kind of year, I was just killing guys. And uh, and I'd never been back to Canada. And you guys know, like when you go there, it's 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 really special to go home. And especially if you can play for the home team. And I'd never done that before at the time. My parents were still together, and they came to every game. So getting in there was just it was awesome. And and I was super amped up. You know, coming off a good season, I had good confidence. And then it just felt special to play for uh, like. They're a really cool franchise, like they've got really good people there. They're really professional, at least when I was there. And it just felt awesome. Um, And then the games were, I don't know, they meant more like it felt more meaningful to know that you actually had a legitimate fucking chance to win the Stanley Cup, probably for the first time in my career you know, like I'd played for a lot of expansion teams, you know, when I was with the Sharks, I, I wasn't getting a lot of playing time, you know, then I go into Minnesota with the expansion draft into Atlanta, who was never good until my last year, and then rebuilding in Long Island, you know, and then I get a chance to go to Ottawa and I'm just like, shit, like, this is it, this might be my, this might be my chance, so I was really ramped up, and I I remember the, uh, I've seen a cute few clips of it now and some people have told me that earlier in the game, like, maybe five minutes earlier, they're like, they're like Sutton's been very quiet tonight, <laughs> you know, or so far in the series, right, and then all of a sudden it just it just uh it just happened very naturally <laughs> and it was, you, you you brought
0: a little energy to the series wow, after oh that God.
4: yeah and a lot, <laughs> a lot of like you know a lot of people want, wanting to talk to me which i was i was always kind of in the weeds you know i they don't want to talk to the guy that blocks shots or <laughs> all that shit you know so but at that point in the playoffs i had i had to talk to a lot of people and this guy kind of cornered me he's like you know, I think he said uh, he kept challenging me, telling me that my elbow was up. So I start telling him he's telling me, and then I don't know. I just kept repeating. So you think you're an expert? It's like you think effect. you're an expert. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So you think you're an expert? Hey.
0: Oh, uh, I mean, we we'll get we'll get Princey to find that clip. Princey will find that clip for us. I'm telling you, it's like big such. He's like. Oh, you think you're an expert, do you? Yeah. So you're an expert. Oh, why don't you tell me? You seem to know what you're talking about. Yeah. I just remember I was a kind of a younger kid at that time in the league, and I was like, "Fuck, that's how you handle it if something happens like that." Like, put it back on him. Yeah, we, we don't get
4: enough of that. You got to know what you're talking about too. I think you know. The, <laughs> the, you say and you say the wrong thing nowadays, they'll just kick you out of the league. Oh, so, oh, felt,
1: and it, Sussy, did you play with a John Carter in, in San Jose? With in, who? In their first year, John Carter? No,
4: he wasn't there when I was there. I don't think.
0: No, nah, I was my college coach. That's random
4: question yeah
1: hey satsi it's always it, there should be more emphasis in interviews on the guys that just get to muck like but but the way you said it it's right like if you if you're a fourth line guy and you say the wrong thing in the media the coach is just going to be like hey who the fuck are you to be like talking to the media? Like yeah. you know what i mean yeah but it should totally. it, it creates way more of a story within the game for you know especially when you uh the battles and stuff so anyway um, I want to talk about Atlanta. My fr- I have early memories of going into Nashville at like a 19-year-old, playing in all these exhibition games and going into like Atlanta of all places. Um, and, Cheetahs. Yeah, cheetahs. That girl, Peaches, she used to squeeze full beer cans between her tits and like <laughs> smash it. was crazy. Um, cheetahs is the best. Like trip a, club. I love going to a Atlanta full for cheetahs. A I love beer that. can full. She could squeeze it between her tits <laughs> and smash Anyway, um, no, I wanted to talk to you about Heatley and Kovalchuk and what these guys mm-hmm. were to this league um, back in like the early 2000s and just how dynamic these two were. Like, what? I mean, you played with them, right?
4: yeah great question yeah i played with them for uh for a long time yeah, uh like, both of them and it was insane to was watch crazy. the way
1: these guys you would control the game and, and it being in atlanta it was such a weird like a weird ice rink dark it had sweets on all one side but I, for my first taste of watching like two elite younger players take over hockey games could you could you describe what those two were like and if there's any comparable into like modern day hockey with the way those two played?
4: Yeah, absolutely. So a couple of things right away, like going, going in, I knew they were special because I'd, I'd played against them. I'd heard a ton. And then my first practice there, and at this point in time, like I'm in the league, maybe what is it like five years or something like that when I get traded there and the first practice, you know, you're always a little nervous you go into a new team or whatever. And, and, uh, you know, you you wonder how you're going to fit in, or are you going to bust the drills because you don't know them and stuff like that. And and I remember <laughs> I went in the corner after I took I took my shot on that the very first drill, and I curled in the corner, and Danny Heatley comes in and crashed into me. He's like, "Oh, it's not big setsy? you know, like so. He, even as a second year player, like he he just had a he had a knack for that. He was a, such a natural leader. And I tell people all the time, like he before the accident, he when he skated through neutral zone, he looked like Mike Madonna. His his yeah. jersey did what what most. Oh yeah, and he's the only he other player that stuff. seemed like that. And he's six four, and he would just gal like super long legs, and he would just gallop through neutral zone. You couldn't even touch him. No. So smooth little tiny chunk of tape you're like you got to be good you got fucking two <laughs> you got two inches of tape on that i've got like it's, it's all the way up half the shaft and like half a thing of wax <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> so, Ooh, this guy's got good hands yeah. and then uh and then kobe i mean kobe was just so nasty i mean he you guys remember he'd come down and he was the first guy he'd like as he stick handled he would pump back and forth and he had a curve like this yeah and he'd use it no matter what and the, and the team wouldn't say anything because he was just so filthy with it but he'd get called on uh like a couple of uh illegal sticks you know at different times I think both times he grabbed like a bob Corkum, like just dead ass straight probably wood blade he goes to the box come <laughs> out of the box and get a breakaway and go score with Corkum stick I mean I still remember him doing that I mean he was he was spectacular you you know, he definitely uh, had some things to learn. I think about like being a good teammate and what it means like to to really be uh, you know tied into your team and not be selfish. So he he had some of that to learn. I don't know if he ever figured it out, but I hope he did. Um, and then Danny was uh, Danny was just such a such a game changing talent. Like the kind of player that some players are really good, but they don't make everybody better. And then you think about the players that make everybody better, and that's that was Danny. Uh, he had, he had such a knack for the game and uh, you know, like Joe, Joe Thornton-esque, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We, so we
0: that's a, I got, tra- I got traded that rookie year from Anaheim to Tampa and correct me if I'm wrong. That, that was called the old Southeast division, right? Oh yeah. Is that with Tampa? Yeah. 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 So Washington was in that division, I believe, or, or yeah, was Washington, Washington Carolina. Yeah. yeah so uh, Oregon, Oregon, Tampa, I got trade there. Yeah. I'm playing against Ovi. I got no business being on the ice against Ovi. Zero. And then i would be going to play against you guys, and I'd be on the ice against Kovalchuk. I'm like, I got no business being out here against this guy. Like, no matter what I did, I could not stop Kovalchuk. Like, remember, he'd come down the wing and cut to the yeah. middle, and you're just like, what? It really, was a
4: lot of guys. Was impos- He was impossible to defend, and he'd, all, he'd always come down on his offside. And he would, and I'd play him in practice, obviously, all the time. I, and if I just, like, played the dot and just gave him wide, he wouldn't do anything. Yeah, you know, yeah He'd yeah, try yeah. to, play like, play, you know, close the gap, play him close. He'd, just, he'd give you one of those, and he'd be gone, because he's, like, 240, and his legs are that big. You know, like, it's, yeah. it's just a spectacular, like, phenomenal athlete. He was, he was,
0: he was, I mean, those years in Atlanta, like, whoa, whoa. And speaking of Atlanta, me and you talked about this previously, but I, I rip Bob Hartley <laughs> a lot on, on this podcast. Any chance I can get, yeah. any chance I can get, I like to rip him. Um, now you had a different relationship with him. I still find it hard to believe, but Bob was good to you, wasn't he, Sutsy?
4: Well, I'll say this about Bob, okay? And I, I say the same thing. It's it's the truth. He he is a, a very controlling coach he's yeah. he's the he has the highest attention to detail of any coach I've ever played for um he likes power and likes to prey on people he thinks he thinks is weak that's one of his mos I don't know if he still does it and he's I, got it and then uh you know he likes to control the team with stuff like like really nasty Monday morning practices after you get like Sunday off boys like he's that guy you know what I mean
0: He's like, yeah. I, it's like, he ruins the day off because you yeah. can't even enjoy it. Cause yeah. you know, Monday morning you're getting yeah. rent so hard. But,
4: uh, but, but I'll say this when I, when he first came in, he, he said to me in a meeting, a private meeting, he said, I've, I've heard you have potential. You haven't shown it yet. And I said, yeah, that's true. He said, well, I'm going to play you 30 minutes a night and you're going to slit your own throat. And we're going to find out if you can play this game or not. And he did. And he, he played me every second shift and I played that way with him for probably three seasons. And it was the reason I was probably able to, you know, extend my career quite frankly, because if it could have gone the other way. if When I went there, because I'd asked for a trade, I asked for a trade from Minnesota because they were trying to turn me into a forward. So I closed that door and then basically <laughs> anywhere, anywhere that you can trade me where they would like to give me a crack as a defenseman, I went in and it didn't, you know, it, it was a, it was a turning point. If he had come in and hated me, I was probably done. My career was probably done. So he, as much, as much a, of a certain type of coach as he is, he, he definitely was instrumental in my career. And then towards the end, like, you know, we had a couple very heated, you know, cause at that point I felt validated to be able to go back at him and we had we had some pretty contentious deals i'll tell you he's he's an intense guy for sure
0: yeah he, he's he's i mean at the end of the day it, it's a good point by you no matter if your coach plays you as players as ex-players yeah. that's all we cared yeah. about right that's the main reason i didn't i hate exactly. him too is he didn't play exactly me, and he had the worst french accent and he was a prick i'm like he's not playing me he's got a french accent he's a prick i i, I this guy's there's the no worst. there's nobody
4: there's nobody worse on like uh, what he perceived as bubble guys than Bob Hartley, like bubble guys. If you're a bubble guy with Bob, you're, you're, you're literally a slave. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable.
0: He, he was, he, he, he made Sven Barchi cry one day. In the I go over to Sven. I'm like, quit crying, yeah. quit crying. Don't let the guy, yeah. I, it's a little Swiss kid. He's in the fucking crying. I'm like, come on. Son, don't. like. So he did pray on guys. I but did. the one thing I, I got Chris Kunitz on my side, he called Chris Kunitz in when when Kunitz got picked up on waivers by Atlanta, He's like, you'll never be an NHLer. You'll never be a regular NHLer. You want to what, know what's even worse
4: about that? He he called him cuncy. Like, he literally, <laughs> on purpose, called him that. And, like... I was like, how are you doing? Like, how are you talking to this person like this? And, like, then he just comes out, have, like, just a, just an insane career, like just a nasty player that every single team in the league would want.
0: <laughs> so, Satsy, so you'll, you'll love this. In Calgary, we're struggling, and the boys, I'm like, they want to go no bucket warm-up, but nobody will go talk to them. And I, sutsy, I'm in and out of the doghouse. I play six minutes a night when I dress, <laughs> and then I'll sit out a week. I'm like fuck it I'll go knock on his door I'll ask him so I go knock on the door and I'm like Bob he's like his little look on his face like what is this guy doing knocking on my door I'm like can I talk to you about something he's like yeah I'm like listen the boys have been talking we'd like to go no bucket and warm up to see if we can snap this nine game fucking losing streak we're on here he goes oh no 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 you want to go no bucket you buy a convertible <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, I go back and I'm like, what he go, He told me to buy a convertible. <laughs> it's fucking minus 90.
4: And I'm, like, oh, I'm like, I tried, boys. So. <laughs> yeah, he did, he did have, he did have some, uh, line, he did man. have some good one-liners for sure. <laughs> do you ever hear that story? He was, when, did you ever hear that story when he was sending the kid down from Colorado and he he called him in, called him in and asked him if he liked chocolate? That was the first question. Yeah,
0: that was Scott Parker. He said, it, "Hey, you, you like?" He goes, "He goes, Parks." He goes, "Hey, you like Hershey Kisses?" He's oh. like, yeah, are you like Hershey chocolate? Yeah, good, because I'm sending you down to Hershey. Oh, my
5: goodness.
0: So, Sutsy, you'll love it. We're, we're in Carolina. This was the writing on the wall here, Sutsy. So, we're in Carolina, and I've got to get my thumb taped up because I jammed it. So, it's me and Yuri Hoodler, and the guys in Calgary, they love to go on the ice and do the Indy 500, eh? Like, <laughs> so, anyways, the clock, the, the you know the little clock the trainers would bring, that, the actual one on batteries? Yeah. It was a little behind, so I end up getting out there and practice had just started, and he comes right for me, and he's like, oh, you must have been in the gym working out, eh? That's because you're fucking late, and I'm like, I, I hear him say it. I turn back. The practice is going on. I go through the drill. I'm like, hey, you know what, Bob? Fuck you. I go, everyone knows that you were fucking locked out of the dressing room. You want to stay in the cup with the best team ever assembled, and then they locked you out of the dressing room the next year. I'm like, fuck you, and a big Erd came and grabbed me. I was on waivers three days later. So- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good for you, though. Yeah.
4: You, you got to stick up for yourself in this life.
0: I had enough. Uh, big Suts. last thing about hockey here before we t- talk about what you're doing now, and you're doing some great stuff that does involve hockey. Cross-checking, defending nowadays, the way you played the game and the way I played, we would have been in trouble, my friend. What are your thoughts when you watch it? Do you feel bad for these guys? It's it's tough to defend nowadays, Suts.
4: Yeah, you know, I... Look, at a certain point, what was will be a distant memory. All the kids coming up are playing a certain way. Um, you know, I heard there's leagues that aren't, aren't, aren't allowing you, know, you to finish your check anymore. Either Like it's only a matter of time before that infuses into the game. So we're probably fighting a losing battle, trying to think it's going to come back to guys trying to kill each other. It's not going to happen. Um, So in that regard, like, sure, the skill's high. It's probably a lot more like looks like when I played in Europe. You know, if I'm honest, it's a lot more like that. It's a lot more a lot more fluff and dash and stuff like that. And I think it's I think it's good maybe for fans and maybe it's maybe it's good for the players health and well-being in the end, because if they're getting less concussions, then that's, that's good. That's a good thing. Right. Cause we all know people that have suffered really badly with that stuff after the game and it's a pretty high cost.
1: Yeah. Sorry. Um, I was going to bring up, I was going to bring up your year at Edmonton and I know, um, I know a lot of people deal with winters in Edmonton in a different way, but you managed to get yourself in, in, a, in a whole whack of trouble, back to back to back sussies. Um, could you, Yeah, I mean, I know you wanted to get the hell out of Edmonton, but I didn't know you'd do it that way. Could you touch on that before? Like that, that actually set a pretty good, that, that set a benchmark for just how many suspensions a guy can get in one kind of calendar year.
4: Yeah, I was definitely, I was definitely the poster boy in the end. Um, you know, and I was actually loving my time at Edmonton playing with all those first rounders. It was pretty sweet, but um, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, it was it was a tough it was a tough year. You know, they just they had just mandated the changes, and you guys remember when they like the whole you know obstruction hooking and stuff, and guys get penalties. Be like, I well, what, what? didn't even know what they did, right? So those cultural changes are so different. And then the summer before, you know, they changed really changed the law about the head being a principal point of contact. Well, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I'm six foot seven. It's a little bit fucking hard for me to hit you in your midsection. You know? so it, 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 automatically, it automatically made the game a lot harder for me. Um, and I think I was still playing the same way. Maybe I was a little slower too because I was thirty-seven. You know, you miss a, it's just a you know millisecond and your timings off. And I, I clipped a few guys. Um, certainly, one of them was your fault, Obi. I'm still waiting for the, my two hundred twenty thousand dollars refund. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. sure. Let we me just check just
0: Amazon. Hold here. on. Let me see what Amazon's uh, yeah, at on.
4: to. one of the two, of you should definitely send me half of that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, oh, that hey, that was fuck up, dog. I was in call. I was in Denver, and Landy's having like a, a call. He's a basically he's already won the Calder. And fuck, I didn't see the big boy, all six foot seven of him, looking slim in the Oilers unit. And I made the fucking play, and I was like, "Oh, there's Landy." And as soon as it left my stick, uppie, there, I saw the big twenty-five train. And, and like it left my stick, if I could have like had a fishing pole or something to bring the puck back, I was like, "Oh." And fuck, over he came, and I'm thank God, Landy, at the last second. Yeah. Just saw a big Sutsi, and Sutsi hammered him and I had to go up and fight him and I go in, and this is just when me and Sutsy been hanging out playing golf. So I get in there, I'm like, Sutsy, let's let's make this look good, hey eh, buddy. Let's make this look good. So we're going at it. And next thing you know, I got he hits me with a fucking pretty good one. Give me a black eye, but yeah, he almost killed
4: uh, <laughs> He calls me on, he calls me on the bus after, and uh we were just we were both just <laughs> howling and laughing. It was so funny. But, uh, you know that was uh, that was the road to to the end for me. You know, the la- after the last one, I'd come in and I'd already been back for three games. And I got to practice that day in Edmonton, and and I Tom Rennie calls me into his office, and I'm like, all right, this is weird. Like before I practice, what's going on here? Um, and I and as I turn the corner, I see Steve Tambellini and the, the assistants are there, and I look to the right, the, like the video board where they, when we do the t- team video in there, it's a big ass screen, and fucking Shanahan's head's like eight feet tall on the screen. I'm like, oh, this is not, <laughs> not going to be good. <laughs> so, and they even said, hey, Sutzy. The first thing they said is said, hey, Sutzy, can you sit down? <laughs> Else, you know what else am I going to do? So I so I sit down and uh, and Shanahan proceeds to roll out like three more clips from the last three games, and he hits. You know, at the end he just looks at me. He goes, "You know, I could have suspended you again for any one of the three of these." And he goes, and "He goes, you better figure this out quick, or you're the, you're the death of the Tyrannosaurus Rex." <laughs> Is what he said to me. And I was like, "Oh man!" So it's pretty funny that you know at that point, Evans, we downturning on the season, and, and it doesn't look like we're going to make the playoffs. And I remember we played in Detroit and I stepped up on on Big Bert, right? And he, he toe-dragged me like so filthy and goes in and ralphs it for the game winner. I didn't play for like the next three weeks. <laughs> so it was like, you know, I, the, the end was in sight and they started grooming a lot of young guys. And then really, mm-hmm. like I, I had already resigned for another year, I couldn't believe it. I was gonna play till I was 39. Like, it's just crazy. Um, you know, but then I blew my, you guys remember when I blew yeah. my knee out, that yeah. train, and it was an was gnarly deal. That was pretty much the end of it.
0: Yeah. Satsi, buddy, you, listen, you had a f- an unbelievable career. You, you look like you're doing great. And, and talk to our listeners. You're doing some fun stuff now, Life After Hockey. We are talking about before we got on the air. I'm on your webpage right now, man. It, it looks pretty sick. Just tell our listeners uh, what it is and where they can find it and all that cool stuff.
4: Yeah, thanks, it? um I ended, I ended up, when I left the game, I did a bunch of stuff, but – I ended up working for a multi-brand hockey company. While I was there, I was investing in the business, and uh, and I, and I left the business in in uh, really really January of, of 2020. And when I when I left, I took the Verbero brand out with me. So Ver, Verbero is a brand that's been around um, over a decade. It's in the NHL um, with with gloves and stuff like that with Cam Atkinson, a few other players. So it, it had some good products. It had a, it had a bit of notoriety. Um, and then really, like when I when I was able to take it outside, I really wanted to do things differently because. You know, I played the game, obviously, like you guys did for a long time. Then I worked in the game on the business side and I was like, I saw a lot of flaws in the industry and and a way to, you know, direct the brand that would be in a sort of standalone category. So we took it outside and there were two really major things that we did. First and foremost, we, we I, my best friends an elite level software programmer. So I had, them, I had them develop the only basically automated team store program. So we create 24-7, 365 hockey team stores for teams, leagues, and associations. And we give them like a 10% credit back to the associations through purchases there. We handle all their bulk orders. So it's a really nice business in that regard. And then the second thing I did was really um, eliminate territorial representation for sales. So we let our salespeople sell anywhere to anyone and we let our guys build and girls build their own sub rep forces. So they get paid on the sub rep sales as well. So we've become really like a kind of like a social network of hockey, especially on the sales side. Um, And just to put it into perspective, Bauer had 50 reps worldwide pre-COVID. We just crossed the 370 rep threshold, wow. um, and it's it's growing on its own because our sub our reps are building their own forces, and working with their best friends and colleagues. And then really, like you know, we have amazing hard goods. You know, we have the lightest stick on the on the market at, at uh, 350 grams. We have the only full carbon fiber skate, the only 3D printed full custom helmet. We have some really bitchin' top tier products. We offer everything at Player Direct pricing, so you know it's more accessible to people because that's the other problem i wanted to solve um and then we really specialize in all things custom like we're custom apparel all your all game wear bags custom gloves custom sticks anything basically anything a team needs we offer and then we host it all in the team store so that's that's pretty much it in a nutshell
0: <laughs> yeah it's all that's awesome and i'm looking at the website right now i like the skates you got the big white tongues out i like that That's, no, that's yeah. nationally. you know that you gotta help and then listen i got i got a little i got a charity game coming up here and i gotta be honest with you um my girdle from one of my playing days doesn't fit anymore. Yeah. I see you on here. You got the old double XL girdle. So I might have to, uh, I might have to purchase. that the Send me a, uh,
4: send me an address, buddy, uh, offline and I'll text, I'll send you guys some stuff.
0: Yeah, it looks cool, man. The webpage yeah. looks so cool. So I'd see it's super clean. So yeah. Thanks. Cool, so. It's been fun, man. Hey, listen, buddy. Um, I know this is from me and we miss you buddy we love you how's the golf game you still got that 64 degree are you just filleting it no I,
4: I put that away I, I like those sm wedges those sm sixes and sevens and eights are so good so yeah, I, I didn't need the 64 anymore so I've, I've honed it in guys I've kind of tightened it up a little bit I'm not going to tell a lie
0: hey uh, what's the handicap at right now
4: I'm, I'm floating out of four right now but I'm a, if you want to invite me to a member guess it's a it's a good acquisition yeah. That's a good well, listen. Out.
0: I'll tell you what, Mister Discovery Project up there. He, he's always looking for a, me- yeah. a partner. I, I've I've retired from member guests. I, I suspended myself for uh, a two year suspension because I didn't make the last round this year. The body can't take it, such so yeah. The boozing, the body yeah, can't yeah. take the three day member guests. I guest. hear you,
4: buddy. I'm with you. I'd rather get together with with boy the buddies and just play three rounds over three days, just normal eighteen holes, not grind like a madman. You know, take 100 or 200 bucks off me and call it a day.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, hey, listen. We really appreciate you doing this. Um, I'm glad you're doing well. You look happy, big boy. We miss you. Yeah. And, uh, we'll, we'll see you in Nashville. We'll probably be out there this year. We'll, we'll hit you up, fella.
4: Likewise, guys. Yeah. I miss you. i look forward to seeing you. Flowers. Good to, good to meet you today too, man.
2: Yes, sir. You too, brother.
4: Ciao, Thanks, boys.
5: Susie. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality.